all the service owners have direct cell phone contact with, with our field landman. And we make sure to keep in contact with them, especially when we're beginning an operation. Mm -hmm. um, going out there, we'll have, you know, we'll have a, a surface consultation before we go out and construct a location. We'll construct a location, we'll bring them out, make sure they get to see kind of how everything's running. We'll explain to them what's coming next with uh, as far as rig moves, trucks, um, bringing in water for fracks, uh, you know, all of the above, and making sure that they're fully aware. The biggest thing about insuring your surface owner is uh, is satisfied with the way you're operating is making sure there's no surprises. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's something that we try to do to the best of our abilities. That was Tyson Johnston, a land manager from Bonanza Creek Energy. Welcome to the Colorado Oil and Gas Association podcast presented by CH2M. I'm Steve Ludwig, your host. And I'm Casey Henderson, your co-host. And we learned what a landman was today. Doesn't that sound like a superhero? I'm landman, man, Landman. Land <laughs> now, Tyson does a great job explaining how land is used for oil and gas drilling and, of course, what a landman is and why they're called landmen. And a woman can be a landman. Right. And so they're not land people. Uh, also, like for development, who gets the rights to the oil and gas and who gets the royalties? So this is a really great podcast to better understand how this all works in Colorado and in other parts of the country. Yes, and we'd like to thank CH2M for sponsoring this podcast. Headquartered here in Colorado, CH2M helps oil and gas industry with upstream, midstream, and downstream work across the project life cycle. This includes engineering, project management, siting, licensing, permitting, and water and wastewater management. For more information, check out ch2m.com. .com. Okay, Casey, now that that's out of the way, on, on with, with the, the podcast. podcast with Landman, man, man, man. Landman. So our guest today is Tyson Johnson. Hello, Tyson. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks for being here. You're a land manager with Bonanza Creek Energy. What is, or Bonanza? Where yeah. am I from? Bonanza? Is that like back? He's saying Nevada instead of Nevada? I don't know. Sorry. Bonanza, Bonanza. Bonanza, Bonanza. Bonanza that's all. What is Bonanza Creek Energy? Uh, we're, we're a public uh, EMP company that we, we do drilling and exploration mm -hmm. for uh, oil and gas. Mm -hmm. uh, our primary assets are in northwestern Colorado up by the Greeley area in the DJ Basin. Okay. Oh, um, we have other assets in mid-continent as well as uh, on the west slope. So. Okay. So the DJ Basin is uh, the Denver-Julesburg Basin. It's a shale basin that's uh, northern Colorado, northeastern Colorado that goes into Wyoming, correct? Correct. Yeah, a lot of people are up there. Um, okay, so uh, Casey, I don't know about you. Yes. But do you know what a land manager is? Not incredibly familiar. So tell us about your role. What do you do as a land manager? I, I still haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> Thanks but, for coming uh, today. That's going to yes, end the podcast absolutely. right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I am the manager of our land department. I'm the senior manager, so I look over things in more of a corporate level now. Um, I have a land manager underneath me who's the manager of the basin, as well as um, the landmen, the various landmen that, that work for us. Mm -hmm. um, the landman is really uh, a big risk assessor for the for the company. Uh, when you're an E and P company, they take care of you know E and P being exploration exploration and production. production. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Um, you know you need to ensure that your title is clear, that you own the assets mm -hmm. that you're drilling. You don't want to drill a well for somebody else. That would be you, bad. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. whoops. That yep. wouldn't be good for mm -hmm. for any company. Um, and you know the landmen are really in charge of clearing that title. We mm -hmm. don't. It's not as convenient as when you go buy a house and you can purchase uh, title insurance. They don't have that for for minerals and, and oil and gas. So uh, there are various stages of the landman. There's a field landman who does a lot of courthouse work, 
who will do a lot of face-to-face conversations with surface owners. And then there's the in-house position, which really is in charge of, um, you know, doing the company work, making sure to assess those risks in title, uh, make sure to cure or, or correct any title imperfections, um, as well as drafting up the contracts, getting the contracts signed, and, and, and making sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So let's back up a little bit. So when you say land man, it's also land women, I would suppose, on occasion. Correct. Yes, that it's a great correct. superhero name, too. Absolutely. Landman. Landman. We're coming to use your minerals. <laughs> We're a landman. And, and there's actually been a, 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 a large debate about whether to call people land coordinators or mm-hmm. land negotiators mm-hmm. uh, versus landman. But uh, there's a lot of people who kind of stay true to, uh, you know, the, the landman is a profession. Mm-hmm. And, and it has nothing to do with you know, gender right. or, or, or where you come from. It's, 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 it's a profession that's got a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of respect behind it mm-hmm. in the industry. So a lot of people stay true to the landman. Um, got it. I'm a land manager, so I don't have to <laughs> worry about which there gender it is. So, um, so a, a, a landman, what they do, if I understand correctly, is I own, I live on a piece of property and the landman's going to come talk to me about drilling on that property or getting a pipeline to run through that property. Is that correct? Correct. I mean, uh, depending on what type of real property ownership you have, if it's minerals or mm-hmm. surface or both. Okay. Um, so let's let's take those. Okay. So if I own the surface rights, what is that? So I have a ranch in Weld County somewhere. Correct. And I own the land rights. What does that mean? Uh, you know. If you own only the surface, if mm-hmm. you're if you're if you what we call split estate, and mm-hmm. you are the surface owner, and someone else reserved the minerals back mm-hmm. in the prior in history the of mm-hmm. your title, um, you know you will be approached in regards to a surface location for an oil and gas well or facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can include pipelines, access roads, um, you know drill sites, drill locations, tank batteries, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, am I as a uh, so? I have to, since someone else owns the mineral rights, since it's split, Yes. I have to let the company drill there because they own what's beneath the property? Yeah, there, there's, there's been a lot of court, uh, documented court cases in regards to the split estate. Um, you know, going back quite a while, but, um, you know, in common law, the, the mineral estate is considered the dominant estate. Okay. Now, that has been really changed by a lot of, the actions that have happened here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Colorado is very unique in that, you know, Texas, California, a lot of other places around the country, the dominant mineral estate rules, they, they, they stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been a lot of cases that have caused, you know, Getty v. Jones and Garrity versus Wait, Magnus. Wait, let's take some notes. Hold on. Are Getty. Legal Getty. precedent. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Case law. You know, th- you know, Getty v. Jones was really to create reasonable use it's a doctrine of uh, the accommodation doctrine you gotta you gotta make sure that you're using reasonably using the surface and you can't interfere with the the surface as it's been used to date okay. so so if you're a rancher for example that means you can't it, just come in and set up an operation that would interfere with a rancher being able correct. to feed his cattle and all I, that good I stuff i can't come in and say you know hey you're, we're gonna knock down your barn and we're gonna put an oil and gas location here so that that kind of is where the accommodation doctrine came in so do the people that have the surface rights, do they get any money from you coming on and drilling? Do they get any royalties or anything? Uh, or they just get a, we'll try not to, you know, we need to be good neighbors and this is just how it's going to work. 
if it's if it's a, if it's a severed estate mm -hmm. and they do not have any any uh, subsurface mm -hmm. minerals, uh, they will get uh, what we call a surface damage or surface use payment, mm -hmm. and that surface use payment is is generally well in excess in exceeding the the property value. Right. Um, so basically, you you lease the land that you're occupying from the owner at an above market rate, generally speaking. Correct. Okay. Great. So what are the mineral rights then if, if uh, let's say Casey, Casey, do you own some property? I own so much property. Mm -hmm. This you is hypothetical Casey. Yes. Hypothetical Casey owns a ton of property. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> and do you have the mineral rights? I do have the mineral rights. So what happens if I have, what's the opposite of a, you called it a severed estate. Is that yes. correct? So if I have both the land and mineral rights, what does that process look like? Uh, it's, it's very similar. Uh, you still get, you know, surface damage payments for the, the value of the surface, but you also have the benefit of, of benefiting from the royalties that will come from the well. So, um, you know, it, it's great to have them both, but they are both property rights and they both have a, a certain amount of value to them. Um, if you buy a property that ha does not have the minerals with them, you'll probably get that property for less than you would if oh, you bought a property yeah. that had the minerals mm -hmm. with it. So that's all taken into account when you purchase the property and mm -hmm. you need to be, you know, anybody who's wants to go out and buy property needs to pay attention to that. That's a good point. And I think for a long time until shale kale came along, no one probably worried about it that much. Although there is oil mm -hmm. and gas development in Colorado, of course, before shale. Um, so what would, and I, and I don't want, this isn't giving up any Bonanza's secrets, oh, yeah. but what are, so if I own the, both the rights, what are royalty payments is it a percentage, like two percent, of the of what comes out of the ground, or how does uh, that work? Generally speaking, ranging from twelve and a half percent to twenty percent royalty. Oh, that's interest. awesome! Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and those are cost-free royalties as well. When mm -hmm. you're a royalty interest owner, you don't pay anything for the operations. These are this this is straight um, revenue that comes in from from the wells. You don't have to pay your way in the well or or pay for any of that. Uh, the working interest is what we call the 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 payment portion of, mm -hmm. of, of the interest in the well. When you have a working interest, you are a paying uh, participant in a well. Uh, when you only have a royalty interest, you don't have to pay anything. I like that plan. Really, it sounds so much like the music industry, right? Like I played the tambourine in the background of something and now I get a check. That sounds great, yeah. you know? <laughs> Did the work, it's done. Mailbox money. I'm Mailbox, mailbox money. money. I'll tell you what, it's a much better plan than being a land manager. Yeah. <laughs> it's free, it's got a lot less work. <laughs> So is it is it frequently? I mean, is it is it common in Colorado for people to have a severed estate? Is is the way Colorado is set up unique, or is that pretty consistent from state to state? It really goes back to how long production's been around. You know, if if uh, if you look at the Wattenberg, for instance, there there have been wells that have been drilled in the forties. Hold on, Wattenberg. The Wattenberg. I'm sorry, the Wattenberg field sits in the DJ Basin. That's Great. the that's the main field that uh, it, uh, is surrounds or encompasses the Greeley area. So, for instance, if you, you know, there have been wells that were drilled back in the 40s and 50s. And, it, you know, if you saw value in those minerals, you may have reserved them. I'm going to mm -hmm. sell the farm because I don't have not, anybody to take care literally. of the farm anymore. Mm. But I'm going to keep those minerals and make sure that my royalty checks keep coming in. So looking at other countries, because we have listeners to this podcast Absolutely. from around the world. So when you look at England, so the UK is really, the government there is really pushing for shale development for natural gas to you know, the, the offshore fields in the North Sea are starting to diminish and they go, they have a lot of shale capability, but no one owns the mineral rights except Correct. the government, right? Correct. So, how, so that means that 
How does that work? Do you know? Absolutely. I mean, you know, having fee mineral interests or fee fee ownership of the of the minerals is something that's very unique to the United States. Um, it, it does, uh, you know, create that capability for things to be severed and things to be uh, handed down from generation to generation, which is really fortunate for us here. Uh, however, you know, a lot of other countries, you know, the actual country will mm-hmm. own those minerals. So it does, in effect, you can look at it their minerals as a complete severed estate. If right. you do own surface, you do not own minerals no matter what. So um, they're going to run into a lot of the same issues that we're running into as far as the rights in, in, in the dominant estate. I have a feeling if the if the country owns it, the, the mineral estate might stay the dominant mineral estate for uh, for forever. Right. So the um, But that unique ownership of the United States is sort of what helped fuel the shale boom, correct? Well, you, you know, because I, people had a, an interest like I own the mineral rights. Yes, I will let you develop that. Why? Because I might make some money on it as yeah. opposed to I live on this land. The government owns it. There's no upside for me. Why would I want to have that developed? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess it would it, it's fueled more more of the conflict between the ownership uh, of of the minerals versus the surface. Right. I think, um, you know, the, the shale boom was really credited to just fantastic technology innovations. There were some game-changing innovations with uh, hydraulic fracturing, with horizontal drilling, the ability to, you know, contact a large, uh, a large surface area, if you will, of the, of the formations that can be produced, um, just made the economics so much better. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that was the real fuel behind the fire, but um, there's definitely uh, a lot of owners out there, and, and I've worked with a lot of those owners who are extremely extremely appreciative of what's going on because they do own mineral rights. Mm-hmm. Um, even the surface payments for uh, surface use have gotten to a point now where people are, you know, helping out with their retirement dramatically just mm-hmm. from uh, the, the one-time checks that they get for for development. You so spoke a little bit about the conflict in ownership. Um, what reasons might people have for saying no? And what happens if they do say, no, we don't want development happening on our land i mean it varies uh you know a lot of times it can just be uh, you know own ownership of a property if, mm. it, if it's been handed down from generation to generation you kind of want to run what's on your land you want to own and do what's on your property what you want to own and do so right. uh you know there there's there's definitely a sense of pride in a, in a lot of these landowners and and uh it's completely understandable um, you know, it's something that, that I have a great amount of respect for. Um, we always try to work with our owners to locate our, our surface locations, all of our facilities in places that are not going to interfere with them, with their property. Um, you know, you write contracts with them, surface use agreements, and a lot of times you'll do things in your surface use agreements to make sure that, hey, this is, this is taken care of the way the surface owner would like it to be taken care of. If we're going to have to take down a couple of trees, we're going to make sure and plant some trees and and, and make sure that they, they, they're there for their kids to enjoy in the future. So um, there's, there's definitely a lot of that that happens in the negotiation between the landman and the surface owner. And usually that ends with win-wins, it sounds like. Absolutely. That's the whole point. I mean, uh, the, the point of a negotiation is, you know, everybody's going to have something uh, in, the, in the contract that uh, not exactly what they wanted, but, you know, the, the win-win situations are when everybody leaves and says, you know what, um, we work. feel comfortable mm-hmm. with it. You feel mm-hmm. comfortable with it. Everybody's happy and, and goes back about their business. So. 
Now, you talked about other states, um, and we went through it quickly, but how does, so Colorado's split use is different than other states for the dominant mineral or the dominant rights being mineral rights? Yeah, I mean, if you look at other states, uh, Arkansas, for example, you know, if you, if you have leasehold rights, you can basically go on and drill without, uh, you know, the requirements of Colorado. Colorado requires you to bond on. We can still bond on. What is that? You have to, I don't know what that means. You have to get a bond with the state of Colorado mm-hmm. that covers future reclamation, make sure that, you know, so if, if, you, if, if you were to disappear, the, their property can be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really shifted in the state of Colorado because of the accommodation doctrine and, and, and having to go and, and ensure that what we're doing is also accommodating the surface owner. Um, you know, us and, and several other of the larger operators in the DJ Basin are, are very, very keen on making sure we get a surface use agreement with our surface owners. We do not like the idea of, of forcing our way onto somebody's property and not addressing their concerns. So um, we make every effort we can to ensure that uh, we are we are getting surface use agreements mm-hmm. that are satisfying our surface owners we look at surface owners as a as a customer to us so um you know we we take that very seriously and i assume that uh, there's going to be some people that don't want you at all but legally they're sort of between a rock and a hard place it's like they have they have i mean and again i'm sure people get around to it eventually once they find out it's like what do you uh, and now it's not going to be a surprise this has been going on for a while Mm. but i imagine there were some people like you what Absolutely, and those people will usually seek counsel, and, and through their counsel, their counsel will say, hey, these guys can come and do this, so let's get what we can uh, and make sure that uh, you know you and your kids are taken care of and the value of your property is then protected by, by receiving the, the appropriate payments. So. so let's say Steve with his big ranch in Weld My County or whatever. huge ranch right. in Weld County. All that land. With cottonwoods and a nice creek. Emus. Emus. Thank you, Neil. The music is starting to mm-hmm. swell in this mm-hmm. in this uh, scene. I'm sorry. See, and you, you'd Anza. love you'd love seeing us because mm-hmm. you'd, you'd hear that music <laughs> playing in your head. Bonanza. Um, so they have it on big speakers on their car, like in the Blues Brothers going through town. <laughs> but let's say that Steve um, works with you and gets a land lease agreement set up. What then can he expect out of the process? Uh, you know, we we have a field landman who actually. Uh, works day to day with all of our surface owners and 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 you know they have all the surface owners have direct cell phone contact with with our field landman and we make sure to keep in contact with them especially when we're beginning an operation Mm -hmm. Um, going out there we'll have you know we'll have a a surface consultation before we go out and construct a location we'll construct a location we'll bring them out make sure they get to see kind of how everything's running we'll explain to them what's coming next with uh, as far as rig moves trucks um, bringing in water for fracks, uh, you know, all of the above, and making sure that they're fully aware. The biggest thing about ensuring your surface owner is uh, is satisfied with the way you're operating is making sure there's no surprises, mm-hmm. and, and and that's something that we try to do to the best of our abilities. How long will that process? So, um, I think most people will think that um, you'll have a a big rig on their property for the rest of their lives, and that's not the case so they come in and they drill and that big piece of equipment goes away so after they've drilled and they've got stuff coming out of the ground which takes how long uh it can depend on on how many wells you're drilling you know we went from single well bores Mm -hmm. to multi-well pads and that 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 can extend the time that it's on there but you also got to remember that they don't need to come back right Mm -hmm. if it's been fully developed so how long would that take a couple months three months yeah it can take three to 
three to nine months, depending on how large the pad is. Great. So after that time, then what's left on the property after the big drill wigs and all the water goes away? Uh, Depending on where you are in Mm -hmm. the basin, um, you know, we use artificial lift systems now that that use natural gas to to help lift the oil out of the ground. Mm Um, what does that look? Is it a that that doesn't really change your wellhead? Really, mm-hmm. you got a wellhead out there, and that's it. That's an that's an internal uh, lift system. And then uh, in other areas where we have heavier oil, mm-hmm. uh, we will have pump jacks that like those will have to look be like used. cranes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those mm-hmm. those are usually used subsequently farther down the line if you're if you're you don't have enough gas coming out. Of so the that's house. really not a big. I mean, if you've looked at those things and you drive on I twenty five, you see those. They're called, what are they called? Pump jacks. Pump jacks. Pump jacks. Yeah. They're not that, they don't have that big of a footprint. No. So it seems like once you're done, the footprint that's left on the property is not that huge or disruptive. No, the largest footprint is going to be the initial operation. Mm-hmm. Then we, uh, we have what's called interim reclamation where we'll come in and we'll bring the pad down to the size that we need to operate the wells. Um, and then after those wells are plugged and abandoned, then you go to full reclamation, which is bringing the ground back to as near as possible as it was originally, mm-hmm. reseeding with the native seeds and grasses and whatever else may be out there that you need to plant and, and, and leaving the location alone. You need, uh, I think it's 70 or 80% growth. I think it's 80 um, in the state of Colorado for for you to be cleared of your, mm-hmm. your, your reclamation bonds and things that you need to get on your wells. What is pooling? Pooling. Pooling. Well, well, the pooling, there's there's two things. There's spacing and then there's pooling. Okay. Spacing is really, um, you know, a uniform uh, placement of well bores based on uh, a lot of various factors, including mm-hmm. the geology and, and how much drainage is going to happen in, in, a, in, a, in a well bore. Okay. Uh, you know, that says, you know, X number of wells per... 160 or 640 a 640 would be a complete governmental section okay um, 640 acres yes right. correct uh, i remember that from college a section is 640 acres yeah. that's all i remember from that class <laughs> pooling well, is, do you have that yeah there you go <laughs> what is pooling pooling is actually the aggregating the leasehold that underlies that spacing unit mm-hmm. uh to uh, proportionately pay out the royalties based okay. on what the drainage is happening so if if everyone in this room were to have a lease and there were four or five leases mm-hmm. under under a 640 and that was your that was your spacing unit yep you would aggregate those leases by pooling them it sounds exactly you're you're pooling all the interests mm-hmm. uh everybody and then you gets their equal, proportionate, right, proportionate share okay. based on the net acreage that they own uh in that gross okay let, let me let me see if i understand this so you on a piece of property, you deal, drill a number of wells. And since they're horizontal wells, they go way down deep, and then they go way out far. Could go a couple miles. Correct. And so if my couple miles goes under Casey's property. How dare you, Steve. I know. She will get, when it comes to the top, mm. she will get the money from her land because it went under her land if she owns the mineral rights, correct? And I will get the money from my land if it's my mineral rights. Correct. So a, an easy way to put it would be if you owned 160 acres square. Mm-hmm. And she owned 160 acre square. Mm-hmm. We're neighbors. And Yay! And That's the, nice. And mm-hmm. the spacing unit was a 320 acre. Oh wait, math. That's that's your square and her square together. Okay. Addition, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, great. See, so we we actually know a little math in land too. It's good. not just all contracts in English. You know? there, there you yeah. go. So I think we've covered it pretty well for what land men do and what you're up to at, at Bonanza Creek. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to add? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you know, the landman really has to act as a, as the face of a company. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that 
uh, our interaction with our surface owners, mm-hmm. our royalty owners, uh, our you know our, the field, the regulatory agencies, everybody that we deal with. It's, it's very important that we uh, keep in good contact with them, and, and we do our best to treat them as customers. Um, you know, my saying is always, you know, back in the day. They always said, drill, baby, drill. And, mm. and my saying is not till the landman says so. so there you go. Um, you know, we, we, we try to make sure as a company that, that we're being represented well and, and make sure that our risk has been minimized mm-hmm. as far as how we do our operations. And also having good community relations with your current land um, owners means the next time you go to another piece of land, another landowner, that could go smoother because you've done a good job with the people before you, correct? Absolutely. So there's a huge incentive for you to do it right, and it sounds like that's what you're really concerned about. These are small communities, and, and everybody knows everybody, and, and everybody understands when, when there's someone out there who is not doing business the right way, and, and we always pride ourselves on doing business the right way. Where can people find out more information about Bonanza Creek? Uh, they can jump on the web and go to bonanzacrk.com. That's our website. We have um, a full flo- full-fledged website, including for royalty or, or mineral owners. There's a there's a royalty interest page that explains anything in regards oh, to neat. royalty checks or how royalties are calculated. Um, you know how everything flows in and out of the revenue side of oil and gas so that's very helpful for many people perfect tyson thanks so much this was really interesting i appreciate your time all right thank you and tyson is there any place that we can catch up with you any social media sites or or uh, how do we stalk you how do we stalk you online well i i I do i i i do sit on the board of the uh, the denver association petroleum landmen so if you want to learn more about what landmen do you can jump on uh, dapldenver.org you can jump on the American Association of Petroleum Landmen's website, AAPL. Um, and, you know, I think I, I have a Twitter handle. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what that is at that time, but if you put in Tyson Johnston with a T, uh, you will find me on there somewhere. Fantastic. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have been listening to What Turns You On, the Koga podcast presented by CH2M. CH2M helps the oil and gas industry with upstream, midstream, and downstream work across the project lifecycle. This includes engineering, project management, siting licensing permitting, and water and wastewater management. For more information, check out ch2m.com. For more podcasts and to learn more about the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, go to koga.org.